I'm Adam Epstein, and I'm a dirty moderate. Oh, ye little faith, dirty moderates. Democracy catches its breath. That expected red wave did not materialize. Whew. Actually, it was more like a rivulet, right? A little stream maybe, or maybe a dribble. As of this recording, it does look like the GOP will have a very, very narrow House majority. Uh, Kevin McCarthy earlier today was voted to be overwhelmingly the Republicans' choice for speaker, which I think may shock some. But apart from what the GOP is and what they're going to experience and the very, very limited power they will now have, election day is never a slam dunk, or I should say rarely a slam dunk for any party's one-party rule, right? We've had a lot of divided government. Um, we've had periods where one party has controlled Congress for many years, you know, from the 50s to the 90s, though we had mostly Republican presidents after 1964. So you've got that. But the Democrats proved really defiant in two remarkable ways. And, you know, we here at Dirty Moderate are here to fight for democracy. We're saving democracy one episode at a time. That's what we do. Um, that's what we believe in. And since our inception, which is now almost a year ago, that's what we've been beating the drum about. So the Democrats have the strongest midterm performance for a president's party since 2002, which is when, uh, George W. Bush, uh, was in office and the Democrats picked up, uh, excuse me, the Republicans picked up seats. Why? Because it was the war on terror and people reaffirmed the administration's uh, direction of the country. And this is also the best uh, performance for the Democrats since the party increased their Senate majority all the way back in 1962 in the JFK presidency. Um, but far more consequentially, than the, than the than the stats and the you know the Super Bowl quality of who won now and what does this mean for the sports of politics because obviously as politics is real it's not a game it deeply affects our lives um, the Democrats defied an authoritarian attack an incipient authoritarian wave very wrathful this this potential wave would have been and it's populism, or you might say performative populism, galvanized almost entirely by Trumpism, Donald Trump, his temper tantrum about losing the 2020 elections, and the corrosiveness of his lies. And nearly every election denier were defeated for secretaries of state, for governor, um, all across the country. Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania uh, elected uh, a Democratic governor. They got a pickup in John Fetterman to the giving the Democrats their 50 50 um, majority in the Senate um, or 50 50 hold. And now there'll be a runoff, as we know, December 6th for Raphael Warnock to hopefully, and I believe he will get reelected against uh, another total income poop and election denier, um, Herschel Walker. But, you know, there's no. There's no way to ever play down or understate the way this big lie has strangled our politics, destroyed our integrity, threatened everything we believe in for these last few years. All of its falsehoods, all of its insanity, its conspiracy theories were rejected soundly by the voters. But the erosion of trust that that's caused and the corrosion to our politics I don't think we've seen this kind of poison in the atmosphere since Joe McCarthy 
try to smear everybody in the public service, including people in the army, as irredeemably communist. And I think Tuesday was a moment, a little bit akin to the famous army lawyer, Joseph Welch, who turned to Joe McCarthy at the Army McCarthy hearings and said passionately, have you no decency, sir? Are there limits, quote, to your cruelty and your recklessness? I don't think we've ever seen uh, an attempt uh, or a, or a, or a, a dash, a, a overflow even, a poison into the, into the bloodstream of this polity. And yet if we, I don't think we've seen a corrective to that since then. And people use McCarthy all the time, and McCarthyism, it just, it just becomes so tried, so true. But the truth of the matter is, it, this was a moment we needed. This was a moment that was absolutely um, pivotal in our politics, and there's no mistaking it, right? Trump's big lie gave us the January 6th insurrection. Um, that was the first time we didn't have a peaceful transfer of power, and it turned the election it off those images searing images that shown by the january 6th committee you know led by patriots like benny thompson in mississippi liz cheney adam kinzinger elaine Luria, all of them jamie raskin turned this big lie into political kryptonite for the big liar and basically sank his party's fortunes and not a moment too soon as of this recording, Trump is set to announce a 2024 run. I don't know when. Supposedly, it's today. This is a Tuesday. Um, but regardless of when he announces it, or even if he announces it, Trumpism as a scourge is dead. Except if we don't vote. You hear what I just said? It's a scourge that's dead, except if we don't vote. And except if we don't keep fighting. Because Tuesday's vote affirmed that you got to vote, that truth matters, that free and fair elections matter. And in the inflammatory delusions of deranged political sicko movement could not take out this two and a half century old experiment in self-government, the oldest the world's ever known. But it could, for the moment, halt MAGA fascism. But make no mistake, the skid marks remain. Even should we be fortunate to live in a post-Trump America, should that blessing be bestowed upon us, our foundations, our electoral framework is very askew, and it's going to continue to be askew. We have a, and there are nuances to this, but we have a divide among educated and non-educated voters, with educated voters trending heavily Democratic, and uh heavily educated Republican voters voting Democratic, and then the non-educated, um, largely working-class voter, black, brown, white, all of it, heading more uh, Republican. Um, we have the urban-rural divide, which is which is no small thing. You see the prairie and the Great Plains voting almost entirely red, and um, we're going to address that at a later date here at Dirty Moderate. Democrats in the big cities, Republicans in those sparsely populated exurbs and areas. But because of our system, the Republicans still have an advantage in electoral college and the Senate because, you know, the president gets to select the Supreme Court nominee and the Senate approves them, right? And all the judges. And our recent elections are completely not based in majority rule. 
right? Do you know how much gerrymandering went on the other night? There were three seats in Alabama that were gerrymandered to the Republicans. Those would have been Democratic had they not cheated, had they not put them to what were called majority-minority districts, had they not put all black voters in one district and then made the other districts rural and white and right-wing. Um, in Florida, where DeSantis did have a sweeping nearly 20-point landslide victory, he saw to it that certain uh, districts would be carved out in Republicans' favor. And here's the thing. The Republicans haven't won the popular vote for president but once. That was 2004 with uh, W. Bush's reelection since 1988. And yet they've had the presidency 12 of those 20 years. Now, for example, Democrats easily won the Senate. Excuse me, easily won a percentage of um the votes for the United States Senate, the total votes, okay, in 2016, 2018, 2020, and now 2022. But yet, as of this writing, because we're a month out from the runoff, for a little bit less than that, the Democrats still only have a 50-50 lock on the Senate. Warnock wins, it'll be 51-49. But what does that mean? It means that the system is still placing a burden on the Democrats and thus on democracy, because the Democrats, though I am not one, are the only party that is fighting for democracy. That's why voters turned out. That's why 11% of Arizona voters made sure to vote for Katie Hobbs, who was elected governor, who made sure to vote for Mark Kelly, made sure to vote for Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania, made sure to see that Gretchen Whitmer got reelected in Michigan, all these places, right? We saw uh, rightful thinking, decent, fair, Patriotic Republicans do the right thing. But, for example, should the Senate stay at 50-50, back to our framework problem, right? 50 of those Democratic senators would represent about 57% of the electorate. And the other 50, the Republicans, would represent 44%. So just to give you an idea, even in 2018, which was the Democrats' huge pickup of the House, the biggest since Watergate, 18 million more voters chose Democrats to represent them. And yet the Republicans still picked up two seats. So you guys have heard this before. It's There are structural imbalances. Um, these, this is built into the concessions made by the founders. But there are real challenges to get bigger majorities for the pro-democracy team, which in this case is the Democrats. And absent any real substantive change, I don't think we're going to see any constitutional amendments or abolitions of the Electoral College. The Democrats are going to have to keep mobilizing key voting blocks, not just the youth, okay, not just hardcore Democrats, but independents, dirty moderates, all of us, we, many of us who, many of you listen to this, uh, this podcast, but moderate Republicans, conservatives, ex Republicans, patriots. And despite the ballyhoo about Gen Z, Z saving America, they didn't. Only 27% of those 18 to 29 year old uh, showed up to vote. And that's down from 2018. And within that, by the way, it was younger voters of color, namely, namely black and Latino. So wasn't white young voters either. So We've got to keep mobilizing on behalf of democracy. What this data says is, since we're not going to be able to make these structural changes, and we are kind of lapping up, you know, the doorstop we've put on autocracy last Tuesday. Independent suburban swing voters and lapsed Republicans are a central component to the success of Democrats now and for the foreseeable future. Dirty moderates like me are looking for somewhere to go. We are politically homeless still. We are not Democrats. I used to be, 
but I am not. But I'm going to keep voting Democratic as long as the threat from the right is as potent as it remains. Not for nothing to the Lincoln Project, right? Those Republican refugees, fearless and courageous. They've been soldiering valiantly these last two elections on behalf of democracy, coined what they call the Bannon line. And if you think using Trump's Rasputin as an example is a little counterintuitive, well, think again. Steve Bannon claimed in 2020, right before in 2019, if the uh, Republicans, excuse me, if the Democrats could peel off 3 to 8% of Republicans, that's all they needed. Bottom 3%, top 8%. That's the floor, and that was the ceiling Biden could win. Well, that happened in the suburbs of Philadelphia and Detroit and Phoenix, similar to what happened this year, gave Biden a very narrow electoral college margin. But the 2022 data is even more encouraging. As, I, as we've learned about the 11% in Arizona, Rick Wilson tweeted the other day that the number of conservative slash GOP defectors, right, who did not vote with their party because of the extremist loons uh, could amount anywhere between 7 and 11% across the board, not just in Arizona. Ideology, take a, take a hike. Because the preservation of democracy, to say nothing, of course, of the Dobbs decision, which told women, you don't control your uteri, and women said, fuck you, yes, we do, that really became a uniting force across racial, gender, um, ethnic lines, age groups. And, you know, the MAGA right's going to amp up the the insane clown posse routine, right? Their rendezvous with demagoguery is not over. But the left may be less menacing, but they are still a misguided group of apparatchiks who still, I think, believe that this was a victory for Democrats, for liberalism, or for Joe Biden in particular. Joe Biden ran really on democracy, by the way, smartly, because we are in an inflationary time, and there is rising crime, and there are all things which are not his doing but are under his watch. And you know what? Just as he said, Biden, when he ran in 2020, why he ran, he wanted to restore the soul of the country. He saw that march in Charlottesville. Jews will not replace us. And he said, this is not the America I represented as a senator and then a vice president for nearly 40, 50 years. So the left has to understand that democracy was on the ballot, not litmus tests. Because democracy is a forever precarious endeavor. So shaky, foundationally, guys. And the only thing, that's why I said Trumpism could be dead today, but if a willing and active citizenry do not stand up, vote, and mobilize to sustain it, democracy yet again will be walking the plank. The question is, will it fall in the moat? Now, invariably, and this happened after 2020, the electorate wants a repose after all these hard fights. and Certainly this year's resistance to Trump-publicanism should earn them that right. No rest for the electorally weary, I'm afraid, folks, because the MAGA right, and this is why the voting is the only thing that can stop it, and the devotion to democracy on a regular basis can stop the snake that will regenerate its skin. That reactionary movement like MAGA, it'll shapeshift even with waning power. It's only we the people that can stop their vengeful return. The American people did not vote for any party. They did vote for Democrats because that was the party that stood for the thing that they voted for primarily, which was democracy. The majority of Americans repudiated lies, conspiracy, sedition, most of all malice, the malice, the meanness, the cruelty that has been coursing through our body politic. 
for the seven years since Trump came down that escalator at Trump Tower. And the power of MAGA, their quest for it, their need for it, their bloodthirsty fight for it will not be stopped unless we stop it. It makes me think about the great Frederick Douglass, patriot, believed in this constitution despite being a slave who fled Maryland where he was brutalized most of his life. But he knew the dynamic between progress and power. And that's what we're talking about here. He said power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did, and it never will. And folks, ain't that the truth? Democracy catches its breath. Okay, folks, go to vote.org, vote.org, because guess what? 2024 is upon us. We are hardly out of the woods. If you're not registered, you didn't vote in this past election. Shame on you. I can't say it enough. Get registered now. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Dirty Moderate. And of course, subscribe to listen to this podcast anywhere you get your podcast, Google, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, and the like. And make sure you subscribe to our Substack newsletter at dirtymoderate.com. And once you catch your breath, head on over to our Substack for this week's newsletter, which will expand on some of the thoughts I talked about today. That's again, dirtymoderate.com. And finally, in sort of a fitting end to her life as democracy gets saved within an inch of its life, Virginia McLaurin, you folks may remember the amazing video of her at 106 years old dancing with the Obamas, the joy of a woman who grew up in Jim Crow America and had seen the brutality of racism. She passed away today, but her death is not in vain and neither are her efforts. She has left us a shining example of the promise of America and what has yet to be fulfilled. But we hope that she rests in peace. Folks, thank you for joining me. Of course, stay dirty, stay moderate, and stay safe.